You're listening to a DM podcast. Hey, we are back in the Football Shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt and Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And no Jeff King. It's Boo. Day, day, date night, Rog. All right. Um, Christmas date night. Well, I was going to say it's Christmas time, so that means everyone's going on holiday. So there's no shed at all next week. Um, and it's just us two this week because Jeff's disappeared to Port Ferry. What's uh, happening next week? It's Christmas. We're all away. Oh, I'll be here. Well, you can do it on your own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listeners, what a treat. <laughs> the Roger Solo. We, we, we might get through seven words. <laughs> a monologue of VAR. <laughs> you can tell one of your really oh, long, slow, boring it. stories. Yeah, it could be like art somewhere. Yeah. Um, well, no, I don't know about that. I, um, I just find it interesting that you haven't given Jeff any abuse about being on holiday. If that was me they would, and this was I was Jeff... Yeah, but there would definitely be some quit about me being on holiday. I was going to give Jeff abuse because this is the point we talk about what beers we're drinking. Yeah. And we went away with Jeff this weekend. Jeff chose... Singtao! To drink... <laughs> yeah. Which is just in my head, Jeff saying, Singtao! He only drank Singtao beer, which, like, crappy beer. But then he chose to drink Jägermeister and Red Bull <laughs> in a pint glass. That's right. As a sipping drink. Yeah. With no ice. No we should ice. clarify. Yes. Yeah. A warm Red Bull and Jägermeister to slowly sip. Mid-afternoon? Mid-afternoon. Yeah, 28 yeah. degrees. Yeah. It was Gross. bloody disgusting. Um, but yeah, we miss you, Jeff. <laughs> In a way. Um, Rog, what did you bring with you to drink? Uh, I brought some leftover beers from our holiday, John. Oh. Some okay. fridge beer. Fridge beer. In honour of Jeff. Uh, I've got some stone and wood uh Pacific Ale, which is, you know, it's it's, it's classic. A, yeah, I I like as a generic beer beer. Yeah. I actually I quite like it. I um I bought some Aldi wine, unsurprisingly. Wow! I Did... took some away with us, and I drank some, but I also bought some back. There you go. And there's also lots in the cupboard, and because we're recording in my house, I'm not going to run out. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of Aldi wine. Um, every week we start with the question, but before we do that, if you want to get involved in the Football Shed community, head to our Facebook group, Shedders and Volleys, to talk nonsense about football. Um, give us ideas for One Beer Wonders or drink ideas for Jeff, maybe. Um, and if you like Rog, you can email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. This week's question, Rog, because uh, obviously there's only you, it's a bit more of a conceptual question. Okay. Um, and it actually comes from the community, comes from Chris on Shedders and Volleys. And he put this up this week and I really liked it. So I thought, I'm going to raise this. And because you're not on the internet, you wouldn't have seen it. So Chris says, has there ever been a discussion over the person fouled having to take the resulting free kick or penalty? Why can anyone simply step up? So if Virgil van Dyke gets taken down in the penalty area at a corner... It's up to Virgil van Dijk to take the penalty. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this. And in a VAR world where there's millions of penalties and there's constantly fouls in the box and stuff, I think it would be more interesting if suddenly whoever gets fouled has to take the free kick. And also if a random Harry Maguire has gone on a surge up the left wing and then he gets taken down on the edge of the box and they get in a great position, Harry Maguire has to take it. Like, I really like that idea. I really like it, but it'll never happen. No, of course. But, you know, you, as much as anything, no club or. That's why I call it a conceptual question. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, I just immediately 
um, think of like Harry Maguire taking that free kick, shanking it, and then having to try and leg it back to into defence because <laughs> there's a there's a counter attack on, yeah. or you know suddenly um, lumper centre backs uh, yeah. taking um, penalties and free yeah. kicks. Um, my mind goes back to. Um, Chilever, the Chilean goalie. No, well, Chilever, but also um, oh, I cannot remember his name. The werewolf who played for Bulgaria. Oh, um, Ivanov. Ivanov. Yeah, he was amazing. Uh, left back. Yeah, left back um, and centre back. It was one number three. Uh, who had these amazing long run ups. Um, yeah, Roberto it. Carlos style and, and walloped it from free kicks. And maybe we'd see more, more. of that. Yeah. And, and I and I really like that aspect of it. But I also. I hate sports that change their rules all the time. Yeah. Don't you know I don't um feel particularly um I'm not particularly enamored with American sports. Yes. And one of the reasons I don't like American sports is because every year they change the rules lots. Yep. Uh I do like AFL, but it really frustrates me that they won't leave yep. the game alone and change the rules every year. So I don't Foot, one of the beauties of football and the reason that everyone can play it is its simplicity. Yes. And I don't I think one of the things I struggle with from a personal perspective with VAR is that that is being removed. But somewhat. then, do you think because VAR is happening and we're going to have the rule? We've, we've talked about it a lot that the change, rules need to change to fit in with the VAR. Yeah. And so, if this is going to happen, this is a perfect time to suddenly go. Okay, if you're going to get three penalties a game or whatever, we're going to stop it being allowed that the best penalty could pay taker can do it. It's just whoever gets fouled, and then Harry Maguire has to take the penalty. And it will mean that there'll be. The, I think it might lead to less penalties or less kind of desperation for penalties. Um, It'd be entertaining, but I just I also feel like it's a bit of a gimmick. Yeah, I don't like gimmicks. But if it's like if we do it and then we do it for ten years, it becomes not a gimmick; it becomes the norm. That's true. I mean, and look, I think there's rule changes that have come in that have less merit. Yeah. And like as much as anything, I would love to see it. And um, Kamara from Fulham. Would yes. be very happy because you wouldn't have to like fight everybody if he gets fouled for a penalty. You'd just automatically, be like, it's it. yours. Yeah, yeah. But stop all those arguments when people go, "Oh no, it's my penalty." Yeah, but it's, those arguments are so petulant. Oh, like, they're wonderful to watch. They, yeah. But I, I um, look, I, I would love to see it, uh, but I don't think it's going to. It's happen. not going to happen. No. Maybe they should try it in the A League. Let's just give it a go. Let's yeah, see maybe. if it works. Um, let's get on to the football. So. Basically, we're leading up to the Christmas break. There is a lot of football happening. Um, there's four games between now and the end of the year for every team. Some have played this morning. Um, and there's a lot tomorrow morning. Roughly two weeks. Yes, in about two weeks. So every three days, you've got a game. There is ten... No, sorry, five points between the top ten. So what the league looks like right now, in two weeks' time, when we're back sat in the shed for the first time after a week off the league could look very, very different. Um, but do you reckon it's a, like one of the best seasons ever? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this and I, I'm i really enjoying it. Mm. Um, and I suppose I, I just wonder as well whether there's a bit of me that thinks it might be short-lived and I kind of hope it's not. Mm. Like, I wonder, is this scenario that we're in purely because there are no fans in the ground... You know, COVID's happening. COVID's happening. Haven't had a preseason. You know, there's all this like noise around the game. Um, you know, it's very different to mm. 
normal Premier League football, what yeah. normal Premier League football was pre-COVID. And I do, I quite like this mm. this alternate reality where I feel like, you know, again this week we saw um, the first time since 1994 that the, the big six, none of them won. Jesus, really? Yeah. Which is so good, but it just shows, and I know, yeah. and I, and I, when we're seeing, like you said, five points, and it's it's such an yeah. even league, and we're seeing, you know, suddenly um, Fulham have improved, and Burnley have improved, and the yeah. bottom of the table is squeezing, squeezing, and and yeah. I think that that's, I think that's wonderful, but I just I, I do worry a bit that maybe it's not, it's not real, it's not, you know, we're not seeing a long term shift here, and that at some point when things settle down a bit, we'll go back to the status quo and there'll be, you know, the big six and then the rest. Or do you reckon that, say, Southampton go and win the league because they're on a run? They go and does it make Southampton for the next 20 years? Like, we've seen Leicester at the top again and they won it a few years ago. You'd consider Leicester a top 10 minimum in the Premier League right now. Yeah, whereas um, before the season before they they went up won and down. It, they nearly got relegated. Yeah. Like, so if someone this year goes on and gets a top 4 or wins it like a Southampton, does that mean Southampton suddenly go, "Yep, yeah, we can build on this and we can be a top 4 side for the next 5 years?" Yes. I mean, and we're seeing like we have seen it with Arsenal this year. Mm. We're seeing it with Manchester United, you know, for for so long those sides would have been absolutely nailed on. In the top four, I haven't got the stats in front of me, you know. But if you looked at the last twenty years, mm. <clears throat> when was the time that both of those clubs finished outside the top four? Um, yeah, it may not even have happened, and it could it could quite conceivably happen Happened this year. year. And we're not just seeing it in the in the Premier League. So I um, uh, shout out to Ian for this stat, um, which I thought was a brilliant one. Um, and he's a Spurs fan, mm. so that. Um, when I give you this, you you can understand why he's he got a Spurs came up flavor. as a Spurs fan. But um, he just pointed out that currently, as it stood last night, um, it, we obviously had the Europa League and Champions League um, draws, draws yeah. in the last couple of days. Uh, in the Europa League, um, there are currently thirteen teams still in the Europa League who are leading a league. Yeah. Okay. So top of their division. Top of their division. Yeah. In the Champions League, there's none. Wow. Zero. That's awesome. So <laughs> is it is it just the Premier League? And uh, I mean, what I'd be interested to get your thoughts. Is it um you, you know, are we are we in a bubble? Is this is this something that's not real and the bubble's gonna burst and we'll go back to normality before the end of the season? Or do you think that this is like because of it being such a big change? Is this something that could be more permanent? I think it will last the whole of this season. I think um, we can. I think we'll see strange teams win, like Sociedad are top in Spain, and Atletico Madrid are second, and Barcelona have disappeared off the cliff. And you can look at Barcelona and go, "That was going to happen." They looked like that was they were in a downward spiral. I think because of the season we're in, teams that are maybe not having as good a time, it's heightened. So like a Man City, for example, was sat in ninth or 10th at the moment. They're not bad and they're doing fine, but something's not quite right and they're not scoring goals. Suddenly they become a mid-table team because of the scenario we're in. Whereas in a normal season, you have the space to spread it out a bit, sort it out and work it out. So I think this season, it's up for grabs. And like I said, I think 
if teams get it right this season, they can set themselves up for next season. But that, which means, I mean, the good thing about that is you might get a more permanent change. So you yeah. said someone like a Southampton, all of a sudden if Southampton, Southampton can get Champions League football, <clears throat> it brings get, in the money. They get that additional money. Then, uh, you know, like you said, we, we saw it with Leicester. Like, yes, it's unlikely that Leicester are going to win the league, you know, although yeah. they're they certainly in the conversation this year. And that's, that is on the back, and they've got a very different team now to when they won it. But there is no doubt that them winning the league, getting into the Champions League, doing quite well in the Champions League has been massive for them. And I would argue that at the moment, you know, they are a bigger team than than Arsenal, yeah. say, and potentially a bigger team than Man United. Yeah. And I know that yeah. sounds crazy, but, but as not, in league position, as in league position, and yeah. and in terms of confidence that they will finish you yep. know in the top 6. Yeah. You know, would you would you be uh, how willing would you be to back in Man United over Leicester in terms of a top 6 finish at the moment? Not very confident at all. And, Which uh, is crazy, yes, you know, in really terms crazy. of the level of resource yeah. and the size of the club, it's crazy. And let's go on to like Leicester and Southampton 1-3-0 at the weekend. Leicester beat Brighton and Southampton beat Sheffield United. Um Leicester are looking really good and they have Premier League winners in their team. Vardy's won the Premier League. Um, who else was there? Schmeichel. Michael was there. Fuchs is still there. And so they have people who've won it. And Rogers has won a million prem, um, leagues in Scotland. So they have the experience of going, you know what? We don't need to panic here. And they were close to top four last year and choked at the end. Um, and they've brought in a few other players. I choked. I don't, well, they've I don't, lost, lost form and injuries. And I think injuries did for them. Yeah. I just don't think they've got the squad depth. They didn't have the squad depth to deal with the injuries that they got. Yeah. And that is what did for them. But then this year, like Justin's playing right back and he got two assists, I think, at the weekend and looked really good. And last year they lost Pereira and were like, oh, we're fucked. And now they're like, oh, no, we've got a replacement. They suddenly have What's a the squad. benefit of somebody having to, you know, I suppose yeah. not having the squad depth and coming in, him coming in and playing. And, you know, they still haven't got Pereira and um, Castagna got... Um, injured as well yeah. who had a really good start to the season and yeah James Justin's come in has been awesome so would you say Leicester can keep it up this year they've got they actual title challenges well I think you, there's some other things you look at which is Madison hadn't played much the oh, start of this year Madison, second goal brilliant and I love <laughs> you know it wasn't just the the quick feet and the and the brilliant finish for me that goal the build up play from Leicester in that goal was also mm. really impressive yeah. to me um, Vardy does his thing like I just feel like he's going to score <laughs> yeah. every he's just a player I feel like gets a chance to score he's yep. going to score every game um and you he, know he keeps going he doesn't love scoring the goals yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think that there was a big thing in this game for Leicester as well which is Ndidi's back yes and they've done all this without Ndidi which is impressive and they get um Soyuncu back um yeah. probably not until after Christmas but they've still you know Pereira's just coming back so they've they've got reinforcements mm. to come in so I kind of I look at Leicester in a in a slightly similar way to I look at, at Liverpool mm. in that most teams are going to have a spell this year when they lose a lot of players yeah if you can do it early and get you, out of them yeah, yeah. And, and remain up there yeah. then I think you're, you're in with a shout and I suppose what I would say about Leicester is they've done that they've had their injuries I mean perhaps the one caveat to this is Jamie Vardy yeah. in that they are <laughs> yeah. they're yeah. just they need a backup They're striker. They're a far superior team when yeah. when he's in it, but he just seems to keep drinking his Red Bull and, and stay fit. So I mean, I 
He's got the Jeff diet just to have the Red Bull. I don't. I don't think Leicester are going to win the league, but I'd love them to prove me wrong. I don't think they will. Um, I think Liverpool will win the league, but I, I think that Leicester have a real chance of getting top four again. Yeah, I totally agree, and I, I also I think on Southampton, so they won three 0 as well. I think Southampton have a chance of doing something, and I think the difference comparing Leicester and Southampton. Leicester, you look at their players and you go, oh, that's a really strong squad. They've got replacements here and there and they've got good quality players that you go would fit in most top four teams in the league, the Tillemans of this world, Madisons and stuff. You go, cool, yeah, really good. Southampton's, you look at their squad on paper and you're like, well, there's Danny Ings and then there's... Danny Ings, <laughs> James Will Prowse, James Will Prowse, but they, but you look at the uh, as a collective, they're incredible, and I think that goes down to Hassan Hootal, the Rabbit Hutch, doing an amazing job making players that are quite good a lot better as a collective, and they look really good, and they have no Europe to worry about. They're playing excellently, they're full of confidence, um, and I just think they could keep going. I, I think the other thing I'd say about Hassan Hootal is individuals as well i feel like yes the collective is better but i think he's also making individual players better mm. which you know we've talked about it a bit with klopp i think that is something that only the really best the best do. coaches can do and i mean i look at um shay adams who had a really sticky start to life in the premier league last year could not buy a goal yeah. um you know they spent a bit of money on him from the mm. championship and, and there was a bit of optimism uh you know just couldn't buy a goal, didn't really work, looked like he was an in-between player, not quite better than Championship, yeah. not quite Premier League. All of a sudden, second season, he looks a real threat. And yeah. playing with Ings, you know, he, but I think it's, as, as well as sort of, he's, you know, he's quite physical and he um, doesn't give the defenders any time, but this season he's also scoring goals. He scored yeah. again at the weekend. And I just... Um, uh, Walker Pete Walker's Peters. He started looking really good, and Spurs. He was never. It was great. no. He just you, you thought he was never going to quite. I always make just it. thought because his name's Carl Walker Peters. They went, oh, he's got the same name. He should be quite good. We'll just chuck him in. And <laughs> another massive centre back in yeah. uh, Vestenet. Vest, yeah, Vestabel. 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 I want to say San, Sander <laughs> but obviously it's not Sander yeah. Vestabel. Um He of the uh, big eyebrows. Yeah. Um, but you know, he suddenly they've got another great. Centre back who Liverpool yeah. will probably buy for <laughs> 80 lots million. of money. Um, and so I see that. And I, do you know, the other thing with Southampton, I, I like Southampton partly because I'm from the south of England yeah. and they were always um, the closest yeah. Premier League team and they're a small team. Love yeah. Matisse. Like yeah. just, and when we did the fans interview with them, there was, was going to say, there's yeah, a real. Just, humility to the fact that like we enjoy being in the Premier League, we'll see how it goes, we'll work hard, we'll get behind them, see what how it happens. Yeah, and they don't see them, you know, it's, it's sort of surviving and beating the big teams yes. and playing good football are the main things. They are if that's their lot, they're really happy. And yeah. I and I I just yeah, I I really enjoyed listening, you know, yeah. to 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 those Southampton guys because that's kind of how I see Southampton fans. Um, yeah. and, and it was great to sort of see that borne out in listening to Southampton fans <laughs> talking about Southampton. But it's also just made me think they must be having a great time this oh, year. Because they're so they, you know, playing yeah. good football. Yeah. And like we saw, I remember the Spurs game early on in the year. They got like, tonked. Got tonked, naive at the back. Yeah. But actually, I watched that game. I watched every minute of that game. And Southampton played really well. They just got caught out by some very good moments um, yeah. from Spurs and, and Harry Kane. But actually, Southampton looked a real threat going forward, and yeah. you could see that the way they're playing works. And they well, and the, 
the way you react to a big defeat, and obviously they got beaten nine nil last year. True, um, but how you react to a defeat is a sign of a good team, I think. And they got hit hard by Spurs in that game quite early on. But the players all have complete faith in the rabbit hutch to go. Oh no, it's all right. Don't need to panic. We know what we're doing. Stick to our guns. Like, don't suddenly lose faith or whatever. And they're going on a great run. Every time I see this happen, it makes me happy because I hate the reactive nature of the Premier League and mm. club owners. Sometimes, you know, when things are getting a bit dicey and you're on a bad run, first thing they do get rid of the manager. Get rid of the manager. And so many times in that situation last year, they were getting sucked back towards the relegation zone. They get smashed by Leicester, absolutely smashed. You know, nine times out of ten, it's so we, easy we, just we, to we've fire seen him. the manager get yeah. get the boo, and they they stuck with him. And not only that, they've then given him a long term contract. And I I just think that that is brilliant, and I, and I want to see that more. And I think if we see that more, we'll actually see more good coaches because yeah. no one gets any time anymore so no, you either yeah. you kind of have to have that instant success or yeah. you're gone yeah um and i think he's clearly you know he's still a relatively young yeah. football coach well i was going to say also to that point you see that he's doing something good and i instantly go bigger club gonna snap him up mm. like if you're a man united and you get rid of ollie hassan Huttle looks like a good option like there's teams out there that are, arsenal haven't, aren't having a great time if they get rid of arteta hassan Huttle's perfect and so I think that's the only thing for Southampton is now he's doing so well, people will start looking at him and go, we'll have you. Do you think someone will? I don't think this season. Like I think he's built something that he's spent a lot of time on and recovered from a 9-0 defeat and sticky situations, kept them up. And now he's building a thing where if you get into Europe this year, that's an incredible thing for Southampton. And even like if you can do even better and get top four, like that's ridiculous. Well, top four would be amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think I, I would like, I think if I was him, I'd stick with it and just see how it goes. Um, but on the other side of that, they beat Sheffield United, who are now on one point after 30, 12 games, not 13 games. They're in a real fucking pickle. And this week, what they did is they bought the old guard back. Phil Jagielka started for the first time in 17 years or something. Um, John Fleck started, who we mentioned recently. Um, and a few, they bought Ollie Norwood back in. And then kind of, oh, Billy Sharp started as well. So you can see he's gone, okay, this is not working. Get the old experienced guys in. And they didn't play badly, but it's just not working. And... I don't. I think everyone's worked out how they play and knows what they're going to do. And we've talked about their centre backs being out, but I can't. I'm not sure how you can see them recovering. Do you, do you think it's that they worked it out, or did they play above their average last year and they've reverted to that? Average I think it's a complete mix of everything. Like I think they missed the fans from COVID. Yeah, they played at 110 percent last year. They're playing at 95 this year in the Premier League. That's a big drop. Um, people have worked out how they play. They know there's a three back three. The centre backs go on. People play wide against them. They just if you put two wide people in the back corners behind them, it screws their options. I um, also feel like it's a bit. There's some luck. I know that. Yeah. Like I know like Jeff talks about he hates intangibles, but I do like. I've watched them a lot this year, and I feel like they've their football isn't dissimilar to last year. I don't necessarily think teams have completely figured them out. I think they still play really good football. I just think the um, the majority of their players are championship players at best. 
And so your margins are so fine. Like, you know, if a few of those players play a couple of percent yeah. worse than last season, then that, you know, makes a massive difference. Or if you lose one of your overlapping centre-backs, as they have done in, in O'Connell, and who they haven't got someone that can play that role. And I think that system is, no one else plays that way. Mm. And maybe what we're seeing part of that as well is that, their defence isn't functioning as well because they've lost possibly the most crucial yeah. cog to that system. And I think, you know, as to to put it brutally, they're conceding too many goals and they're not scoring enough. They yeah. can't they it's can't buy a goal up yeah. front. And no. their last year they were looked really solid at the back. I mean, you talk a lot about um Henderson, you know, Henderson going out and Ramsdale coming in and yeah. whilst I don't necessarily agree with you that Ramsdale's a complete liability. He's I, crap. <laughs> I, I I do agree that he's not the same keeper as Henderson, and I think there's a uh, his communication's not as good, his command of the area yeah. isn't as good, and so I think there's that element to it as well that they've Sheffield United have lost two yeah. important pieces of that back line. Yeah, and, and you know you could almost say that with any team. You know, if you took out goalkeeper and key centre back, they're going to struggle. They're going to you know Liverpool. Yeah, I think Liverpool can get by. With without Van Dyke or without Allison, if you both. take out both of them at the same time, struggle. I would be much less confident about you know Liverpool's yeah. chances. Just as an example, so I, you know, I think there's that element to it as well. We know they haven't got the squad depth to cover one of those injuries, but I still, yeah, I watch them and I still, I think the football's good enough to be in the Premier League. I think the way they play, yeah, um, kind of deserves to be in the Premier in League. the Premier League yeah. and on that on that footing. I'm not writing them off. Look, they're in, I know they're in a in an awful, awful position, and they they, you know, they're very close to getting cast adrift. Statistics say they're, they're fucked. They're fucked. <laughs> they're gone. Yeah. I also they're playing seven dollars to beat Manchester United overnight oh, tonight. That's I saw a really that, good and I'm like, oh. I am quite tempted to. <laughs> but it's time for uh, you know the disaster pendulum to swing yeah. swing towards United, and maybe Sheffield United can, yeah. can get something out of that. But they're they're probably down, aren't they? Um, let's move on to a couple of clubs that lost games. Uh, so, well, kind of surprisingly, but Chelsea lost to Everton at the weekend and lost to Wolves this morning, and Arsenal lost to Burnley. Um, at home, one nil at the weekend. Let's start with Chelsea. They lost two in two. Is it a blip? Is it a plot? If they've won those two games, they're top of the league by three points. Like so, they've had a decent start to the season. They're looking good. And we've spoke about. I mean, this is how much it changes in a week. A week ago, we said, "Oh, maybe Frank's getting it right. Maybe this is the point. If turn a corner and they're starting to play well." This week, Timo Werner looks like he can't hit a barn door. Everything's gone a rip roll. Giroud looks old and Havertz not not working. Havertz is not working, and Kante wasn't as good as usual. Is it? I, I mean, we can crisis. Yeah, crisis at Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, I think we can almost with every team go. Was it fatigue? Is it COVID? Is it just a bit of everything? Um, and is every team, maybe it was years and years and years of us expecting teams to go on winning streaks. And Chelsea are playing well, they'll win seven or eight in a row and that's fine. And Liverpool did the same, Man City did the same. Whereas now in football, maybe it's just not like that. You win two or three, you lose two or three. You win two or three, you lose two or three. And maybe it's just changed. But is I, it a crisis for Frank? No, uh, we'll see. 
I don't. It's, it's a test. It's the first yes. test he's had it's for a, a while. Test, I yeah. think he had his first test at the start of the year, which yep. was that Chelsea were conceding goals. Yeah, they were, you know, great going forward, liability at the back, and we saw him shift things around, change personnel, um, put Kante in the role that Kante <laughs> yeah. was made by nature yeah. to play in. Yeah, sorted out those defensive woes. I think at the moment, still we thought, and when we thought they've got so many attacking riches that that's gonna mm. click. But I think we've maybe what we've seen in the last couple of games is it's still not quite there for Chelsea. They haven't quite clicked. Now I, I mean, I don't think Chelsea are the the finished article. Mm. I think they could be because they've got a lot of they've invested a lot of money in their squad and they've got some really, you know, really quality really players. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Chelsea are going to win the league. You know, you talk, and I think that's the difference between winning the league and not. Now, Liverpool have not been great so far this mm. year. I feel like I'm talking about Liverpool a lot, but um, <laughs> hanging out with a um, friend of the shed, Dirk, at the weekend. Yeah. But um, they've lost one game this year. Yeah, and they've not been brilliant. And they've not been brilliant. Now, that's the sign. I know champions. they've drawn a few, but I think that at the end, come the end of the season, generally those things make the difference. So I think I'd still have. On you know even allowing for these last couple of performances by Chelsea at season to date I'd have them in the, the top four. Yep. Um, but I I'm interested to see you know is it just a, it could easily you're right be tiredness you know yeah. they played a lot of football yeah. but that's not going to stop all of a sudden you know they have a sticky Christmas and they're mid table then the yeah. knives would be out for Frank yeah. I mean it's one of the beauties of this yeah. close league I mean what what's your take on it Well you... I think um, I think it's underrated how difficult it is for new players to integrate and they've brought in a lot of new players and they've brought in a lot of new pay- lot of new players in a scenario where you can't really go out and socialize it's not like they're going out and having one they haven't got time for team dinners or whatever and so if you're a 19 year old Kai Havertz and you've just left Germany and I don't know if he speaks English much or not he might have perfect English I'm sure he does um, most Germans do because they're better at learning languages than us Boneheaded English people. It's better people. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so he's moved to London, but he can't go out and meet people. We can't really hang out with friends. He probably can't have his family come and stay. So he, it's quite a lonely existence. You're going for the Mourinho hotel factor here. Yes. Yeah. So I think they've brought in a fair amount of new players that are kind of probably not integrating into life in London yet. Um, I think that Frank... I still have question marks over whether he's a good manager or not. I think um, this will be a good test. This morning's game against Wolves, I watched bits of it and I kind of knew that Wolves were going to win. You know when you watch a game and you can just tell this is set up perfectly for Wolves. They know how to do this. They're getting the counter-attack. Neto runs down the wings, slams it in the corner. And there was just a confidence in me that Wolves were going to win that game. Even, do you know, it's funny, even I, when Wolves scored their goal, Chelsea were going forward and I was like, Wolves are going to score here. Now, I know, yeah. I know that's what happened, but I just, it, Chelsea's attack, they loaded lots of men forward, but it just smacked a little bit of hope rather than confidence in what they were doing. Mm. That was when then Wolves is straight away on the counter attack. You know, Chelsea are in, in, in trouble here. But I, you look at Frank in that game this morning, I've seen it a few times this, this year, I, like... In-game management and is he is he a, the, well? He's not going to be finished article as a coach, you know. No. So, it, but I just think he 
sometimes looks like he doesn't really understand no, what's he, happening when he puts or know on how si- to change it. When he puts on his serious face, it means he doesn't know what to do. So he's like, I've got to look like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah, my serious face. But it's basically him stood there going, I'm not sure what to do right now. And um, I think he, I think he can improve and I think he can get it right. But I think there is a danger that if he doesn't get it right too soon enough, the Kai Havertz of these worlds and Timo Werner's are not going to sit around finishing fifth. They're best players in the world. They can go to a Real Madrid. They can go to a Barcelona. This season, the only reason that Chelsea got them is because Liverpool didn't have enough money for Werner. Real Madrid didn't have enough money for Havertz. Like That's the reason they got those two players. So they've got them. If they don't make the most of them, they're going to go within a year or two. So I think if Frank needs to sort out pretty quickly. Um, well, maybe the knives would be out for Frank. Like, you know, Abramovich is ruthless. Yeah. Absolutely ruthless. But he's best mates with Frank. Like, they get on like chum chums. That's true. But, and, and I mean, Frank, but Frank got his free hit last year. Last year. I, and I, you know, we talked about it, but, but, you know, before the start of this season about this season being the acid test for, for Frank Lampard when all of a sudden he's got money mm. and there's expectation. You know, there was no expectation last year. Um, you know, any playing good football and, and anything finishing in top four was absolutely, you know, yep. a bonus. Um so I do think there'll be a bit of pressure on him. So it'd be interesting to to see how he goes. What's their next next game? game? Um I haven't got next week's fixtures because they played this morning, so I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I I am I'm kind of fascinated to see, you know, how he deals with it. Um particularly because the games do come, you know, if you're gonna get a sticky patch, I mean, some people would say maybe it's good when the games come thick and fast over Christmas because you get the opportunity to play yourself out of it. But there's also the the aspect that very quickly, you know, if you have three bad results out of four, then all of a sudden you, you know, you Chelsea play West Ham table. next at home. So Massive game, huge West game. Ham, West Ham is on fire. West Ham been playing Derby brilliant. Yeah. at home. Then they play Arsenal away. So they've got two huge games. So all of a sudden, Chelsea lose both those games. Yeah. I think we would be sitting here in two weeks saying that Frank Lampard is now the new manager under the yes. microscope. And well, they play Villa the week after that, which like Villa are doing well this year. And then they play Man City. So they've got a really hard Christmas yeah, break. Yeah, I, I think that sets up their season. I think yeah. you, you're right there. You've got it. How they go on that next five games probably yeah. you know says where they finish. Where, where do you, if I had to push you for an answer now, are they... Fourth. Top four. They're top yeah. four, but just scraping. Um, they lost at the weekend to Everton. Now, Jeff's not here, so I feel like it's a perfect opportunity to talk about Everton without him telling us that DCL is brilliant and he's really good and look what James does, etc. Um, Everton has sat in eighth in the league, which is pretty unsurprising. Were they seventh? Yeah, and they've uh, lost the goal difference for West Ham. I would so say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a great win for them to beat Chelsea. It's a huge win. Um, they needed it. They've been yes. on a poor run. And, uh, but do you think they... Well, okay, we know that Jeff predicted them to win the league, which they're not going to do. But what do you expect of Everton this season? Like, I genuinely don't expect anything more than a seventh because what they've bought they in finish is... finish seventh every year? Yes, partly. But also because what they've bought in is good, but not better than 
you wouldn't say Everton are better than Leicester or Southampton right now. And you've got to be better than Leicester and Southampton <coughs> to come in the top seven. And I can't see Everton being better than them right now. Yeah, I agree. And I just think, I think squad depth is part of it as well. Uh, Everton played four centre-backs. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. They played a back four with four centre-backs yeah. at, at, at the it's weekend. It's a very Tony Poulis thing to do. It is a very Tony Poulis <laughs> thing to do. I mean, they, and I think, you know, clearly Seamus, so Seamus Coleman... It's a big miss. ...playing well. And, and you, know, you know, going back to a song a few years ago, he's one of the best right-backs in the league. Digne has been a great signing and is, you know, really... You know, one of the best left backs in the league, I'd say. Like, and so, but all of a sudden, if you remove them from the team, what's behind them? And I and I and I think Everton's attacking play suffers an awful lot mm. when they because they're both such attacking fullbacks um, that when they don't play, I think they lose. They lose that width. They lose that width, you know, because Richarlison's always cuts think, in. It cut, wants to cut in. I mean, he's been Hammers great. Cuts in. Yeah, and so I just think both those key attackers also play better. With those two fullbacks, now I, I think Everton could challenge for top six. <laughs> so one, one place pl- if they, <laughs> you know, keep the bulk of their side fit. Yeah. But if I think they have a, you know, a few spells, we, James isn't going to play. No, um, he's probably going to play seventy percent of games. Yeah. Like it's just, you know, he's just not fit enough. He's not play fit enough. Yeah. yeah. But um, Angelotti came out today and said how committed he is to the club and. Um, Partly on the back of the finances coming out, and they like lost 139 million or something last year. But Mashiri's come out and said, "I'm going to plow more money in. It's fine. I have faith in Angelotti." And Angelotti's come out and said, "I'll repay the faith. Like we'll be good. We're going to come good. It's going to be okay." Um, so maybe you know if they get Europa League, like they could be continued. Yeah, they, but I think what they have to do this year is make progress. Yeah, like, like if you're gonna do all this and throw loads of money into it, you've got to make some kind of progress. Like, you're not expecting to win this league this year, but you've got to look like... in. We're aiming for the top four in two or three seasons' time, and we look like we could do it. So how do you finish seventh again? To show the progress. And show progress. Well, last year they officially finished 13th, didn't they? Because last year they were really bad. So, uh, so that is progress. But, yeah, I think... You've got a Klopp finished seventh in his first season, full season in charge. You've got to look like you're building something. Yeah. And I think Angelotti does. And I think if he can keep uh, the squad that he has and add to it and maybe bring a bit of youth through, bring a new right back in to help left back. I think if he can progress the squad, he's got a good nucleus there. Um, needs- and we should mention Iwobi. Like, Iwobi's only 20. Yeah, and um, he's been really good. And he's older than twenty, isn't he? It's early twenties. I'm sure Jeff told me he was twenty. So fact, check, sounds, fact check, Jeff. Sounds like a lie, Jeff. Um, but he, I thought he was really, really good in this game. Like he, uh, a lot of the attacking play for Everton. Twenty four years 24. old. Twenty four. But he's still got his best years ahead of him. Yeah. A lot of attacking play went through Iwobi, and maybe uh, Ancelotti's played him right wing back in a mm. couple of <clears throat> recent games, and. Maybe he could be the answer to back up for Coleman. I I, I don't yeah. know, but there's you know there's a player there that yeah. I think still has potential to be better than he is currently. So you know to talk to your point about how can Everton progress, I do think they have. It's not just about going out and spending more money. I do think they they've signed some players that have improvement within. Yeah. I still like you know Sigurdsson. 
takes a great set piece, scored the penalty in this game. I still, every time I watch him now, I think the game's passed him by. Yeah, he's just so slow. Yeah, he just slows everything down. Um, And interestingly, Everton play Leicester away first thing in the morning, so by the time this comes out. But that'll be an interesting game to watch because, as I said at the start of this bit about Everton, would you say Everton are better than Leicester or Southampton? No. And tomorrow morning will be a good sign of where Everton are at, I think. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think they could get a result because they've got... They've got some really good players. Like DCL continues to prove me wrong, and I think he's going to looks hungry to score goals. He's going to score goals. You know, I think Richarlison's a real talent. They can get a result, but I think, you know, it more often than not, I would back Leicester to win that win that game. Um, let's move on to Arsenal, who lost to Burnley one nil. Um, we've got an email from Newell, okay. who's an Arsenal fan, I presume by his tone. <laughs> I don't know. He is an Arsenal fan. Um, his email says, uh, "Thanks for sending this, Newell." Is it possible to sack everyone over 23 and just play the under 23 team <laughs> permanently? <laughs> and, I mean, I think Newell kind of has a point. Um, but losing... Is it the players or is it the coach? Or, sorry, the manager, as he was made this... Was that his new... T- what was his oh, title? His... Head coach or something, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I think he was made manager rather than coach, wasn't he? I can't remember. Yeah, anyway. But um, they lose 1-0 at home to Burnley, who have been pretty piss poor this season so far um, and it was quite a simple they wanted it more than the other team um, Arsenal were booed off by their home fans the first time fans are in the stadium um, well they were in for a Europa League but in the league um, it's not looking good for Arteta it looks well, we've talked about it a million times so I don't want to dwell on it too long no. but it looks pretty rubbish at the moment. They play Southampton in the morning. So again, a good... I think it's a really good match-up. Leicester-Everton, Arsenal-Southampton. See where things are at. And the Southampton-Leicester teams, of those four teams, look great at the moment. And Arsenal-Everton, maybe not so much. So they'll probably both win. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think we've done enough sort of Arsenal bashing recently. Although I... A little bit of me <laughs> wants I'm, to carry I'm, on. I'm, well, I'm, and I'm slightly smug because I kind of feel like the world's caught up to us a bit. Although yeah. I still feel like there is this around Arsenal and it is one of the difficulties of having... <clears throat> can you call Arteta a legend of Arsenal? Like, There's a lot of... He played there for three years. There's a lot, But there's a lot of goodwill at, yeah. at Arsenal for Arteta. And it was really inter- I just found it in- <clears throat> fascinating watching um, Ian Wright's reaction after this game. Um, in the- So he was... I must have been on Optus, I guess, but yeah. he he was um, you know straight after the game they went to Ian Wright to to yeah, get his thoughts on it. So there's a bit of emotion there as well, you know. Wrighty part yeah. of his sleeve, and obviously that's why he's great. Loves Arsenal, yeah. but very defensive of Arteta. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, putting a lot on the players, and I mean, he saw this game as it being one incident that changed the course yeah. of the game which is that Xhaka got sent off, sent off for a, a stupid incident. We've seen him do it before. Yeah. And Lost. he also, you know, I, was, I kind of agreed with Wright, but he was pretty brutal. He also said, you know, it came about not necessarily because of the action of um, Xhaka grabbing a guy by the throat, but what came before, which was the free kick, which was a guy goes past Xhaka. And then he makes a rash challenge. And then he, he, get, he drags him down. You yeah. see it all the time. He positions himself poorly. He's not quite yeah. quick enough. I just don't think he's got that um, that uh, positioning and, and yeah. game awareness to, to be that 
that shield that he is. I just don't. I kind of feel like he's a luxury player. Does yeah. something amazing every now and then. Yeah, he's got but, great left foot on him. Yeah, yeah he just yeah. doesn't perform the role that he's there to do well enough week in yeah. week out. But so he just put it on that. That turned the game. And he was talking about how actually beforehand Arsenal played quite well. Now I will admit that Arsenal had the better of the game. You know, Nick Pope yeah. made a couple of saves, but. I honestly don't think there was a huge amount there to get excited no. about. With I think they they should be able to do better with the players that they've got. Yeah, they play. They can play quite nice football, but it's quite nice football in front of a defence. Yes, yeah. there's no. It's very for me. It reminds me of Van Gaal Man United, where we could have the ball for four hours and look great, but in fact we haven't gone anywhere. It's just a training match, yeah. and there's just like well. This is nice, and we've got nice shape, and everyone knows where to stand, and everyone knows where to pass, but no one's kicking the ball in the fucking goal, but which is the aim of the game. But yeah, you've got one of the best goal scorers in the Premier League yeah, up front. Yeah. Now, and now my concern for Arsenal at the moment is, has he lost the players a bit? You talked about That's it last week. Thought. You know, yeah. players, some look of the forward. senior players, look, you know, Newell brings it up in terms of, can we just sack all the senior players? Yeah. Do the you know some of those senior players look like they're a bit you know Jaded. they don't I don't think disenchanted with yeah. what's happening the way they're playing you know the results and that sometimes that can be something that is very hard to turn around yeah once and that begins get, you're in a real pickle yeah and I mean if if it does that is the point where I think for all the goodwill in the world if that continues to happen Arsenal are only what five points above relegation zone yeah. But they're probably also five points from top they're six. True, so. but I, uh, you know. I but I I do. If that is real, then I I do worry a bit for Arteta. I think they've got the players there to to, to be better than they are, and you know he should be given the time. Yeah. But I just watch them at the moment, and I don't I don't see it. Um, let's move on to some of the draws this weekend because uh, do we have to? Well, we're, 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 I'm going to touch on the Man United Man City game. So we're away at the weekend. And I made a point of telling everyone, let's not check the scores so that we can all sit down together on Sunday morning when we're hungover and we can all watch the Man United Man City game in full. We won't check our phones. We'll just do it all and it'll be a wonderful hungover morning and we'll slowly watch a great Manchester derby. It was the worst hour and a half of the weekend. It was the worst decision I've made in a long time. (laughs) And it was bloody awful. And that's all I want to say about it. Never talk about it ever again. Liverpool drew with Fulham, one all, and Liverpool almost looked lucky to get a point. Fulham looked really good. Um, they we've talked about how good Fulham actually are and maybe don't get the credit that they deserve. And Bobby Reid scored a very good goal, um, and they look like they're going places. Scott Parker's kind of changed. What because you were saying before we started recording, Scott Parker's changed something. Yeah, well, he's, yes, I mean, I would argue that they have been much better in maybe like the last sort of six weeks or so as a a sample size. Um, And uh, there's a couple of things. Loftus-Cheek has, you know, was injured, but has now come in and is playing every week. He's, he's so a, good. He's a really good footballer. I just please stay fit. Please, Loftus, if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, Ruben, like eat well over Christmas. Stay <laughs> Do fit. Stretches. Don't you know trip over a cracker yeah. or just stay fit because yeah. I want to see him playing football because I think, I mean, I'd get him on a on a plane to the Euros because yeah. I think he has something a bit. Although the Euros is in the UK, so he could just get a train. That's true, um, <laughs> but I think that 
he's a really good footballer that just needs to play yeah. week in, week out. And so I think that that has made a big difference to Fulham because he looks really good. But I think the other thing is they've changed the dynamic of their attack, which you really saw against Liverpool. So um, uh, Caviedo, Cavallero, Cavallero's come in. Yep. Um, Bobby Reed, who was sort of a little bit on the periphery, is, mm. is now playing every week. But I think the big one, the start of this season... You essentially said for Fulham it's Mitrovic or Bust. Yeah, I was all about is either Mitro or nothing, and they dropped not him. Starting, yeah. You know they've gone with what he does is, um, it's not particularly subtle. You know he's a big physical bustling yeah. striker, but he scores goals. No one would like to play on him, but if you have Mitrovic in your team, you're probably got, you need to play a certain way to get the best mm. out of him. And maybe the rest of Fulham's team, that might work in the Championship, but perhaps yeah. doesn't in the Premier League unless he's you know really putting all his chances away. And I think they've gone with a much more mobile I was going to say, you, you need legs in the Premier League. Yeah. If you're going to do a press and you've got to close people down, you need every player when you're at the bottom of the league to work 110%. And Mitrovic is not going to chase down centre-backs. He'll get ahead of for you and put a ball in the net but he's not going to spend his afternoon chasing down everyone. Yeah, and Bobby Reed will. Bobby Reed, Lookman, yeah. Caliero, they're all quick. Yeah. They can all interchange and they all press. Yeah. Um, and then you've got, you know, uh, players like Loftus-Cheek who can pick a pass behind. And I think they're a threat. And I think fans will be big for Fulham. Mm. I think we talked about their home form being critical to, to keeping them up. Um, and, I, you know, they're, I think they're on a little bit of a, of a role. Um, I think I had them staying up this year for for those reasons, you yeah. know, sort of the, the the fans and thinking they'll get enough points at home. And I, I mean, I was really, I wasn't particularly impressed with Liverpool this game. I thought they were poor. Yeah. Um, but I I think that more about Fulham. I don't really want to, you know, yeah. it's sort of dissect Liverpool too much. I was just really impressed with the way that Fulham played. And I think they were pretty unlucky to not get three points. And I think once they start scoring goals and getting things, they're they, they get you like gross confidence. They play Brighton first thing in the morning, so I won't predict what's going to happen. But Brighton are struggling a little bit, playing well. Fulham are struggling a bit, but playing well. If Fulham get a result, they're at home against Brighton. They're suddenly right back with the pack, and they're mm. not getting sucked into it. Um, I, I don't know want... who's going to win that. Like it's, it's, I see both those teams as like good. They're both good footballing yes. sides. But they both seem to find ways to lose. So three all, maybe three all. Yeah, I mean, but I, I do think the Fulham of now. I think they should stick with how they're playing though at the moment yeah. in terms of that more dynamic front line because it seems you know like it's if it causes causing the top teams problems. Yeah. Um. You know, then you then you're definitely onto something. Can I, I? So I think they stick with it. Um. Spurs drew with Palace. Um, one all. The only thing I wanted to mention about this was the Palace keeper Guita. Yeah, his save in the last minute is one of the greatest saves you'll ever watch. Just watch it. Um, I can't remember who it's from, but it just saved the point for them, and it's amazing. Should have saved Harry Kane's shot. Though. Should have said yes. <laughs> made yeah. some made some very good saves in the game, and then one glaring error. Yeah. Um, but the last team that I really wanted to mention in the Premier League this week was West Ham, who have snuck up to seventh. And when the league's very close, seventh is basically the same as second or third. Like, and they beat Leeds, um, who could possibly be in trouble. I think, um, but I think West Ham are in a 
really good spot. And they like we've talked about, they had a really horrible start to the season, um, fixture-wise, and they've done really well through that. And they're looking really good. They've so, got an identity. Yeah. It's a David Moyes identity, but it's an identity. They're a threat. We talked about he sorted their defence out. You know, they're a physical side. You know, we saw at the weekend um Ogbonna scored another windmill. Header. Yes, with no, um, no arms involved. No arms involved. Uh Suchek is uh a beast in Suchek the Suchek is one of the like he's he's definitely Moises Fellaini for West Ham. Yes, yeah. Like Without he's, a doubt. Bought, he's bought this guy that no one's ever heard of beforehand and gone, what are your skill set? What do you do? Was Moyes involved in bringing him in last year when he came in on loan? Yeah. 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 So he brought him in in January and went, oh yeah, I want that guy. And Because um, he was very good last year. Yeah, he's, he's looked brilliant. Good. Like he's, you know, nothing flashy, but he's he's solid. He can play football. Six and, foot four. And he's a fourth. real threat in yeah. the air. Yeah. And I just, it's interesting, like Leeds are, Leeds have a weakness, without a doubt, from set pieces. Yes, they're very weak at they're set pieces. They're flaky at set pieces, and I think, you know, that is a worry in the Premier League because it puts you at risk, more risk of losing against the teams that are around you that may not have as much quality. Yeah. You're obviously going to struggle against the really good sides because you don't have as much quality yeah. as Leeds. But Man City aren't going to bombard balls into the box or whatever, are they? Whereas no. West Ham will. Yeah. And so I just think, you know, all of a sudden, if you can't sort that out, then, you know, well, if you're losing against the teams that are around you near the bottom and you're losing against the top teams, you're going to struggle to, to pick up points. But I just think that West Ham, the players have bought into Moyes. Obviously, I think we've got to credit Moyes. I thought he'd lost it. Right? Yeah, I, 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 was, totally. I was definitely in the camp that Moyes has gone. Um, the Man United experience killed him. You know, it's over. And then obviously things went Terribly at Sociedad as well. Um, but I watch. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was at Sociedad, yeah, who are now top of the league. Disaster. Yeah. But I, I watch him. I, I watch West Ham and I, I, I see a Moyes team. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, um, and the utility right back, centre back, Antonio. Uh, midfielder, He's injured striker, is injured at the moment. They're still getting results. Yeah. Um, you know, I think. And uh, Kai Hyde has. Player of the year last year that wasn't great last year, but this year's been quite four nows. Yeah, you know, he's not what would strike me as a stereotypical Moyes player. But he's getting a tune out of him. He's he's, getting, yeah, he's play, he's you know, and he's playing well this year. He's a bit. He gives him something a little bit different in that front three, but he's working a bit harder than he's Stephen Pienaar. Like it's yeah, it's all it's an exact replica. Of the, <laughs> the Everton. You can scene. almost go through the side and go. <laughs> okay, that goes like that. Well, who's Antonio then? Oh, who played up front for that? Oh, Kale. Kale. Yeah, Timmy Kale runs around a lot. Who I suppose is good. Yeah, yeah, Mister Utility as yeah. well. But yeah, I. But I credit Moyes because yeah. that means what we're saying is that this is a Moyes team, yeah. and it's working. Yeah, you know they that's are. Great. That's fine. They're, they're up the up the right end of the table when a lot of a lot of people that know a lot more than about football than us were writing them off. Yeah, and just saying Moyes is crap. Um, let's move on to side stories, Rog. Um. First one, just a sad one. Gerard Hullier has died, who was manager of Liverpool for six years. And Aston Villa very shortly, which I forgot. Um, but he did very well at Liverpool. He won five trophies in a year in 2001. Um, but that was sad. And just a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, and I, like, it's funny, I rem remember, I just, it's one of those, he's, a, he's a synonymous with Liverpool yes. for that time. But also, I think what is not known massively outside of France is how much 
effort he put into building the youth system in France. Yeah. And how much effort he put into building the team in France 98 that won the World Cup. Um, there is an odd story there. I can't remember it. And I'm going to tell it vaguely around he was in charge and then he lost the job. And then they, but he built the foundations. I can't remember it. Um, but he was a big part of that 98 team. But also setting up the youth setup that now means that they have a World Cup winning team now as well. Yeah, well, so. Liverpool sort of signed him up. On the on the back of that, I think yes, largely yeah. rather than necessarily his record as a senior um, coach. Yeah. Um, but no, it's funny. Like we, I remember that Liverpool team. You know, the, the having the cup success and yeah. particularly the but signing Gary McAllister at thirty five years old. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah. It's like the um, Scottish Pirlo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sad, sad, sad um, to see that, and it just makes you feel. Like from a personal perspective as well, I'm just I feel like I'm seeing this a lot at the moment, and you just realise that we're getting to that age now where, you know, a lot of these guys that we we remember are now dying, getting old and dying. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes you feel very mortal, mm-hmm. I think. So, yeah. but yeah, he was he was 73. He's pretty old, isn't it? Good innings. Um, do you have any other side stories? I did. Uh, uh, Indulgent one um, from the Bristol City game today. We lost to Millwall yes. um, at, at home. home. Yeah, that's um, bad. Yeah, it look it's it's kind of a derby. It's not. I mean, obviously Millwall, yeah. a London team, um, but probably like a lot of teams that City and Millwall don't get on very well and have a pretty healthy rivalry. Um, so it's always a big game. Uh, lost two 0 which wasn't great. Uh, but I just wanted more talk about. Um, uh, Fam Diadu, who came on on the 79th minute, uh, um, sorry, uh, got sent off on 79th minute, having been on the pitch for only 20 minutes. Amazing. Two yellow cards. It was his 28th birthday. <laughs> I was just like, come on, you know, big game. Here's your moment it's your on birthday. your birthday. Yeah, no. No, two just yellow cards within 20 minutes. Go brilliant. on. Um, and I think we should also nod to uh, the 25th anniversary of uh, the Bosman. certain Bosman. Yes. Uh, and I, if only to think about what is the greatest. Yeah, well, because so if anyone doesn't know, the Bosman ruling, Bosman, John Bos, is it John Bosman? No. No, John Bos- Bostock. John, it was, I can't remember what his name is, but he's a Dutch footballer called Bosman. And John. he. Um, had an argument with his club around not being allowed to leave yeah, at the, en- the end at the end <laughs> of his um, contract, and so he took it to court. And the court ordered that if you're at the end of your contract, then you can leave for free. You don't get a fee for him. And so it's changed football transfers forever. And he was never a great player. I think he might have played Holland a couple of times, but he wasn't like world class. No, was a big he's guy. will forever be known by you know the his Bosman. Legal case. Yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then it meant ever since that if you're Perlo and you leave Milan to go to Juventus, just free of charge, you can just move. And that's because of Bosman. Um, and yeah, they did a whole thing on the BBC this week about what the best ever Bosman's signings are. Um, and I said, Perlo, I have to go Perlo. Like signing Perlo as a 32-year-old at Milan who was a sub and then winning the league four years in a row, like that's the way to do it. Bit of a gamble though. It's Perlo. It's Perlo, true. But I, I'm just meaning the age, but I, uh, I'd i have to go Lewandowski, I think. Like oh, yeah. 175 goals in 200 games for Bayern. I hate that he went to Bayern on a free from Dortmund. 
you know, the, in the German monkey league where yeah. players go from the second best team to the best team. But, you know, he's probably going to win. His name is John Bosman. I John Googled, Bosman. I just Googled it frantically. He's, sure it's not Johan? No, John doesn't sound very Dutch. Well, it says Johan Jacobus Bosman, ah. known as John. Johan. Nobody says um, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I just, yeah, Levinowski for me. Anyway, but I just, uh, you know, it's, it's just an interesting point of yeah. discussion. Um, you got anything else before we go, Rog? Um, no, Did you, you didn't want to talk about Champions League? Oh, I forgot about the Champions League. We can talk about the Champions League briefly. Um, the Champions League draw and the Europa League draw came out. Um, Liverpool got Leipzig, which they got to the semi-finals last year, so that's going to be great. Um, Barca got PSG, which, if you look at that right now, PSG are going to smash Barca. There's no other result in that. I think so, but even I'm never convinced by PSG. No, Just, they'll smash them. You think? Yeah. Um, and then you don't think it'll be in their head a little bit from the um... the five four calamity. Yeah. No. No, I think PSG got it. I think Neymar has one mission, and that's win the Champions League. He's scoring. A, he scores a lot of goals, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks yeah. good. And I think they're just they'll have too much for Barca. Um, and Atletico got Chelsea. So Atletico Madrid against Chelsea. Chelsea are fucked. Yeah, it's tough for Chelsea. That I'd say. Yeah. It's funny. I um, who do you think is going to win Champions League this year? Oh, uh, oh, God, that's really good. I have no. Bayern. I well, I was going to say Atletico Madrid. I think Madrid might win it. Real Madrid? Yeah, I just... They're looking awful at the moment. Well, they are. And they scrape through. Zidane, yeah, Zidane. I'm still not convinced he's a good coach or a good manager. Like, he's ob- not... Obviously, he's the greatest player ever to put on football boots. <laughs> and but... he won three Champions Leagues in a row. And he won coach. three Champions And then he came back and he won a league. Yeah. But I just feel he's got... I mean, it's Real Madrid. So they've obviously got great players. They've got lots of money. But whatever, he just seems to be... A manager that has something that wins, and you yeah. know it clutch week. They could have gone out the Champions League for the first ever time at the group stage. Yeah. We're never going to lose that game. They you just know, made they, it work, and, and it was Munch and Gladbach who were playing yeah. well and a good team. They just they won that game, had to win. They then got the derby against Atletico. Yeah. <clears throat> they were nine points behind. You know, Atletico got game in hand. Yeah. They lose that game. Season's probably over. They beat Atletico. Yeah. I kind of feel like they... He knows how to do he, that. He knows how to do that. He just knows how to yeah. win. And I have a feeling that they obviously didn't win the Champions League last year. They feel like they own that yeah, trophy. Yeah, it's their trophy. It's their trophy. So they definitely won't want Bayern to I go back to I just don't think they've back. got... Right now, I don't think they've got enough quality in their team they've got aging players and a few young guys and it's not quite right yeah I'd agree but I just I kind of feel like they'll find a way um, in the Europa League um, Man United drew Real Sociedad who were top <laughs> oh, of, I just sorry top Man United of, Europa League <laughs> <laughs> and Sociedad are top of the Spanish League right now and so Man United are and they've got go David up. Silva yes genius and Xavi Alonso's manager of their second team uh, you're in trouble yeah, definitely. Great. Um, anything else, Rog? No, no. It's been a great date night. It's getting a bit hot in here. Like, it's been a bit warm in the shed. Not very Christmassy, really. No, it's it? not very Christmassy. Although you do get that, like, 
Christmas sleepy doze when you know you got the fire going and you've eaten too much on Christmas Day and it's a bit hot and everyone falls asleep and you're like, oh, well, that's a bit underwhelming, yes. isn't it? Yeah. No, that, that, that was it. We built that was up it. That Christmas has yes. come and gone. Um, um, we well, won't we won't be here next week, but we'll be back in two weeks when we'll all be in the shed. Also, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, and uh, yeah, Merry Christmas. Have a great time. Have a break Fuck and off. watch Fuck lots of football. Twenty twenty. Watch a load of football. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back in two weeks' time. Um, don't forget, if you want to create in contact, ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about something, just find us on Facebook. Um, look, search for the group Shedders and Volleys or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Merry Christmas. Bye.